Amen. Excited about this uh, this passage today. This passage is the the culmination. It is the apex of of the story of Joseph. Everything that goes on uh, so far in Joseph's story only is a building block to get you to this moment uh, at the end of of chapter 41. So we're really excited about it. Um, Before we get into it at all, uh, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time. Uh, We thank you uh, for the opportunity to hear from you. Um, God, we, we, your people, are are just trying to get it right. Um, We ask that you would have mercy on us. Um, We ask that you would uh, favor us in this moment by allowing us to hear from you. Speak to our hearts, God. We, we humble ourselves to your word and to what it is that you have to say. Uh, God, we love you and we look to you for, uh, for everything. Your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Um, please give us some light here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read you the verses, kind of summarize what's going on, and, and we're going to pick out uh, something that we want to draw out of it. We really want to talk about Joseph's faithfulness today. Uh, Joseph has been faithful to God uh, throughout this process, through, through the ups and downs, uh, the highs and lows, and so we want to highlight his faithfulness today. Uh, at the end of 41, uh, we're going to start at uh, verse 46. All right. It says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. When the year of the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the first firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The three years of, the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, there was famine in all the land, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When the land of Egypt was famished, the people uh, cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up the storehouse and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Joseph, came to Egypt, to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. So just to give you a little summary of what's happened before, Joseph is in jail for a crime he uh, had not committed, wrongfully accused. He's in jail, and then the Pharaoh has a dream. The Pharaoh has a dream, and nobody can tell the Pharaoh what his dream means. And so the cupbearer, who is in the service of the Pharaoh, says, hey, I remember, I remember this guy when I was 
back in prison, I remember this guy who I had a dream and he told me what my dream meant. And so Pharaoh said, oh, did he? Bring him to me. And so uh, Joseph is brought up out of prison. He is brought before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him, hey, I, I, I hear that you can tell dreams. Well, I need you to tell a dream for me. And so Pharaoh has these dreams. Um, and it's basically this idea with well, one of the dreams. There were uh, seven uh, cows in the Nile. and There were fat cows. And so the, the, the seven fat cows came up out of the Nile and they ate uh, the seven skinny cows that were up on the land beside the Nile. And so Pharaoh, uh, Joseph tells Pharaoh, uh, hey, the, the seven fat cows, uh, the seven skinny cows are seven years of famine. The seven fat cows are seven years of surplus. And so there was seven years of surplus followed by seven years of famine. Joseph not only tells Pharaoh what his dream means, he tells him what to do with the dream. He tells him how to handle the situation. He says, during the seven years of surplus, you save up so that when the seven years of famine come, you have all this stuff, uh, all this food, all this grain that you have stored up and that you have ready to go. It lets us know that during this passage, he has two kids, Manasseh and Ephraim, and Joseph is put second in command of all the land of Egypt. And it says in the 57th verse, moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to buy buy grain from Joseph. The famine was severe over all the earth. So Joseph is put second in command. He's in control under Pharaoh and all is well. He has two kids uh, by I'm sure who is a beautiful woman and all is well. Or is it? This, This context this, it's, it's so funny, the, the picture that is painted in this chapter is painted as if Joseph is living his best life. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, when I say living the best life, that means Joseph's doing really good. He's doing really good, doing really good for himself. And so this chapter is painted as if Joseph has reached the high point of his career he is having the best time he has ever had in his life. And, and this is the way when people talk about Joseph, we, we, we talk about this chapter as if things could not get any better for Joseph. But that is actually not true. Joseph is not happy at all. And if we know the context of the story, if we know the context of the story, we know that Joseph is not happy at all. As a matter of fact, he may be having the worst time he has ever had in his life. Context is important because the context shapes the way you look at Scripture. Our, our view of scripture, of scripture and the way Scripture plays out is often skewed by, our, uh, by, our, by the influence in our society uh, by literature and theater. Let me tell you how. Uh, and it is well known in literature and theater that there is called such a thing as the character arc. That's where the, the, pro, the protagonist, uh, the main character, he starts off kind of low and then he goes high. All these good things happen to him. And then during that time, the character is going up. Uh, we, 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 you, it, they make you fall in love with this person. You know, the, the character arc is going up. 
you love the character. He's doing good. All these good things are happening to him. And then it dips. It dips and he, uh, tragedy besets the, the protagonist. Tragedy comes his way. And so the art goes from going up or we fall in love with him. But this person he fall in love with goes through trouble and it could dip again. They could go through more trouble. But in the end, in the end of a really good story, then there's redemption and he comes back up. He overcomes everything that he's gone through. And that's a good story. We say that's a good movie. He, he goes through trouble, but then if he comes out on the other side, with, as the rolling credits are screaming out, he's, that's, a, that's a good movie right there. He came out on top. I knew he would. And we always expect him to come out on top. As a matter of fact, the movies we say are terrible. Like uh, I, want, I want to say it was uh, two Avenger movies ago. Terrible movie. You know why it was terrible? Because the bad guy won. It started off, the, 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 the character arc went up, the Avengers were doing good, and all these great things are happening, and then the guy, I can't even remember his name, that had all the rings, he beats everybody up, and, and, then, and then that's how, and then he kills everybody from what I know, and then that's how the movie ends, he wins in the end, oh, and I walked out of that movie theater, I actually asked for my money back. The, uh, Columbia and the Grand, they didn't do it. Uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't give me my money back. Uh, but the reason it was a bad movie for me is that it never came back up. That's what I was expecting. That's what we all expect. We expect people who go through trouble in the end at some point to come back up. And so when we're reading this story of Joseph, we assume that in the end, Joseph comes back up. When the truth is, he doesn't. He doesn't. Our expectation, listen to this, our expectation often shapes our interpretation. Expectation. What you believe is going to happen often shapes your perspective of what actually does happen. And here it misshapes it in a bad way. Uh, I'm going to give you a good example of that where, where expectation often uh, misshapes interpretation. Uh, it was, it, I want to say it's a State Farm commercial. State Farm commercial and the lady comes down the stairs and it's 3 a.m. in the morning. Her husband is talking on the phone with someone. And she says, who are you talking to at 3 o'clock in the morning? He says, it's the State Farm agent. Oh, the state farm major, really? At three in the morning? She says, it's, it's, who is it? It's Jake. Jake from State Farm. So she snatches the phone from him and says, hey, Jake from State Farm, what are you wearing? And he says, khakis. Her expectation of what she thought was going on skewed her interpretation of what was actually taking place. She just knew that her husband was on the phone with somebody he didn't need, need to be on the phone with when he was actually just trying to set up his insurance. And this idea that we are expecting Joseph to come out of his trouble, we are expecting him to come out of his trouble, skews our interpretation of what actually happens. I don't want to talk about Joseph's triumph. Because the truth is, he really never triumphs. 
He doesn't come out of the trouble he's in. And so I want to talk about Joseph's faithfulness. Three ways to know that Joseph wasn't happy, but he is faithful anyway. Number one, he is given a pagan wife. This was a big deal in those days. He is given a pagan wife. Her name is Asenath. She is the daughter of the guy who is of the priest of On. He is the the, the priest uh, in their pagan temple. He's the main priest in the pagan temple. And her daughter, his daughter, Asenath, is given to Joseph to marry. Joseph is forced to marry her. This woman who does not love the Lord and worships Egyptian gods. He's forced to marry her. This would have been a big deal. And and, in the context of scripture, Joseph would have been miserable. Uh, In Genesis, we see it in Genesis 24. In Genesis 24, uh, uh, before uh, Abraham dies, he is coming to the end of his life or near the end of his life. And so he's having a conversation with his, his top servant. And he says, I want you to put your hand on my thigh. And promise me that you will not let my son Isaac marry one of these uh, Canaanite women around here. Promise me. He says, put your hand on my thigh and promise me that you'll go back to my homeland. And find my son, someone who loves the Lord. And so the, 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 uh, the, the servant who was a faithful servant. He puts his hand on Abraham's thigh and he says to Abraham, I promise I will not let your son Isaac marry one of these Canaanite women. We'll go back to his homeland, go back to your homeland. We'll find him a good God-fearing woman, somebody who loves the Lord. And so Rebecca was found. Just as a side note, if any of you men ask me to put your hand on your thigh and promise you anything, that's not how that's going to go down. I'm not going to do it. I will shake your hand though. I'm not going to put your hand on your your thigh, your knee, your foot or anything else. But that's how things worked in those days. And this was, this, this idea of getting him to promise in that way was a sign of how seriously Abraham took it. This was a serious promise. Because it wasn't about, it wasn't about, ethnicity. It wasn't that they didn't want them uh, mixing with different ethnicities. If you follow the, uh, the, the people of God through scripture up to the coming of Jesus uh, and even after, uh, they, you know, they, they, ethnicities mixed. There's tons of it happening. And so it wasn't about ethnicity. It was about religion. He didn't want them marrying into, uh, marrying into families with people that didn't serve the Lord. We're serving other gods because he, God knew that it would influence them. So uh, Joseph is given this woman to marry who does not know the Lord. Not only does she does not know her Lord, her father is who is over the Potiphar, who's over the temple. He is, he would have been known as the number one seer in the land. A seer, someone who's able to interpret things. Seer is someone who's able to, 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 to tell you what uh, he thinks uh, things are going to happen in the future. 
And so Pharaoh sees that Joseph is able to tell him by, by God's help, he's able to tell him what, how things are going to play out. And he, and he mistakes Joseph for a seer. Doesn't know that God is helping him, the God of the universe, not the gods that they serve. So he has him marry the daughter of a seer. Hoping that Joseph would take part in their Egyptian religion. Joseph was in a bad spot. The second thing that happens, his name is changed. Now, you may not think that's a big deal. His name is changed from Joseph to Zephanath Paneah. Now, see, in this day and time, name change isn't a big deal because we don't think a whole lot about names. As a matter of fact, we don't think enough about names. Oh, my gosh, I used to, I used to, I used to teach in, in the school system. Uh, I taught middle school and some high school. Oh, my gosh, the, the, some of the names that people give their kids. <laughs> Man, I mean, it's, it was like a, 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 I remember in, 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 in one school year, I met a Lexus, a Mercedes, an Infinity, and a Toyota. I was like, this is a car dealership? <laughs> the things that people name their kids, people don't think about what they name their kids. Biblically, what you named your kid was a huge deal. You know why? Because it was tied to their identity. The name gave you a preview of who they were. Name was a huge deal. Because if, if you didn't, if you, even if you didn't know someone, you would, the, the name, if you just, you shake your hand, hey, how you doing? My name's Jesus. Hey, how you doing? My name's Jacob. My name's Abraham. When you, when you found out the name of someone, it gave you a preview of their character. You found out what kind of person you were dealing with just by saying, hey, what's your name? And so the name was a huge deal. And the Bible, uh, Jacob is named the name Jacob because it was a preview of his character. Jacob means trickster. The name Nehemiah, which we, 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 we love that name. We named our son, uh, Tess and I named our son Nehemiah. It means that God comforts. Nehemiah would be used by God to comfort their people. Jesus is named Jesus. The angel comes to Mary and says, hey, and the child shall be named Jesus. You know why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means savior. There was no doubt about what he was going to do. The name was a big deal. And so Joseph his name is taken from him. That would have been the equivalent of, of his identity in many ways being taken from him. And he is given this name, Zephanath Penea. Uh, it, it means one who's able to reveal secrets. And so Joseph would have not been very happy. We see this one other time in scripture where a pagan king, a pagan ruler changes the name of, of godly men. Happens one other time in scripture to three guys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names were changed by a pagan ruler and that would have been a huge deal. And so Joseph is experienced here 
a loss of identity. They took my name. I'm married to this woman who does not know. Does this sound like he's living his best life? I'm married to this woman who does not know the Lord. It's hard enough to be married to a woman who does love the Lord. That's not, that's not, that's not a shot at my wife. Do you seriously think I would take a shot at my wife? Are you crazy? I would wake up 3 a.m. with hot grits from head to toe. No, baby, you're doing a great job. Good, a great job, and you're raising a fine son by there. But marriage is difficult. And he's married to a woman who does not know the Lord. His identity is being changed. The, the Pharaoh strips him of his name. He is not allowed to be called Joseph. Call him Zaphonathpanea. Revealer of secrets. Joseph is not a happy camper. The third thing I, uh, that the story points out that I want you to realize that Joseph is not happy By the way, he's still a slave. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. He's a slave in prison. And then he graduates to being the slave. Uh, He is, the Bible says in the 46th verse, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into the service of Pharaoh. He served Pharaoh. He was a slave to Pharaoh. This is why he's he's given a wife and he cannot even fight it. His name has changed and he can't fight it. Why? Because he's still a slave. He's just a slave to a much more powerful man. But he's still a slave. Joseph lives to be 110 years old. 93 out of 110 years, he lives in slavery. He is not living his best life. Things are not going well for Joseph. And he is not a happy camper. He's so upset about what is going on that when he has two boys, he, 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 he gives them in an effort to reach back and hold on to his identity at all. He gives them Hebrew names. He has an Egyptian boss. He has an Egyptian wife. He has an Egyptian father-in-law. He's surrounded by Egyptian people. He has an Egyptian job living in Egypt. And he gives his kids Hebrew names. He's just, he's just he's, it's a last effort to try to hold on to some, something. But his, even the names that he gives him, uh, shows, him shows you of, of what's going on in his head. He names the one kid Manasseh. Manasseh means forget. Joseph is trying to forget what he has gone through. He names the other one Ephraim. Ephraim means fruitful. He calls him Ephraim. He says, because I am fruitful, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Another, uh, another version says fruitful in the land of his grief. Joseph is not happy. God has made him fruitful in the midst of a situation he doesn't even want to be in. Joseph wants to go back home. He tells one of the guys in, in prison that he, that he has deserved nothing. He has done nothing to deserve be, being in the position he's in. And his dying wish in Genesis 50, I'm not going to tell all, 
But his dying wish after living a life of 110 years and 93 of those 110 years, he has been a slave. His dying wish in Genesis 50, he makes his brothers and, and, and their ancestors, their, their kids and their kids' kids, he says to them, he says, one day you guys are going to make it out of slavery. One day our people are going to make it out of slavery. And when you guys do, could you do me a favor? Take my bones out of here. Don't even let my bones stay here. Joseph is so hurt by the events that have been taking place that, that even when he's gone on and dead, he, he wants his bones to not be in this place. If I can't leave, then please take my bones away. That is his dying wish. And the Bible says that in Exodus 13 and 19, that Moses, when Moses comes and delivers the people out of Egypt, one of the things that Moses does is he kept the, he kept the promise that, uh, that Joseph's family made to him. Moses takes Joseph's bones out of Egypt and takes his bones back to Canaan. Last wish of a dying man who wasn't too happy. Let me, I, 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 I hate to bust, I don't want to bust your bubble. I don't want to bust, bust your bubble in the way that you've seen this story playing out for so long that Joseph just came out on top and everything is all right. But what this story shows us about God is God is not interested in accomplishing your mission. Not interested at all in accomplishing your mission. Now, is Joseph's life a failure? No, it is not. Because Joseph is used by God to accomplish God's mission. And though it wasn't a whole lot of fun for Joseph, it was very useful for God. Because Joseph coming into Egypt and even being a slave and rising to second in command, though he was still a slave... He, it, was, it was a way that God, God used Joseph's slavery to protect his people. It's funny, when Rachel, uh, Rachel, who is Joseph's mother, uh, she, she would have died by now. She names his son, she names her son Joseph. Remember we talked about before that Rachel and Leah, who were both married to Jacob, they're in competition and back in those days, how many kids you had, uh, it was a sign of your value. Uh, that's, that's, that's the way women thought. And so when, when Rachel is trying to prove her value to Jacob, she's trying to have more kids than Leah to show, hey, I'm more valuable than Leah. Leah has six kids. She, and, 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 and Rachel doesn't have any. And then all of a sudden she has one kid. She has Joseph. You know what the name means, Joseph? It means do it again. The name Joseph comes from a Hebrew word, Yosef, uh, which comes from the, the Hebrew word Yasap. Uh, out of that stems Yasap. It is a verb. Joseph is a verb. It means again. She, she has been waiting on a child all of her life. God answers, finally answers a prayer. You know what she should have named that boy? Thank you, Jesus. You know what she should have named him? Gracias. 
Lord, hallelujah. She named him hallelujah. Bless the Lord. She names him again. Has God ever done anything for you? And instead of being thankful, you thought, God, do it again. Do it again. God blessed you, gave you the thing that you were asking for. And instead of blessing his name, instead of falling at his feet and, 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 and thanks, you said, God, again. Because the answer to her prayers is still not enough. And you know what? God is so gracious. He does do it again. As a matter of fact, he doesn't. Now, she doesn't win the competition because God isn't interested in that. She doesn't have more kids than Leah. Leah has six kids from her own womb. And Rachel only has two. She'll go on to have Benjamin. God said, I'll do it again. I'll do it one more time. But I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to be a part of your of your little mission. And so Rachel dies having two kids. What we have here in this story of Joseph is favor misinterpreted. We 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 hear scripture scripture lets us know, oh Joseph has favor. Joseph has favor and it and it is so true. But then we think that favor means that he's going to win all the time. We think that favor means he's going to come out on top. Favor doesn't mean, let's, 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 let's look at, let's look at this. We're going, we're going to end with this. Uh, Genesis 39 and 21. We're, 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 we're rewinding back a little bit. Joseph uh, has just been sent to jail by, thank you, Jesus. He's been sent to jail by Potiphar. Uh, again, put in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And he's in prison. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Joseph is in, this scripture is an anomaly to me. This scripture, uh, before I understood, it, it, it makes no sense. It didn't make sense to me. He's in prison, but he has favor. Is not favor the absence of trouble? Is not favor the absence of of hard times? When you think about favor, just in your head and just your own, your working definition of what favor is. If somebody, uh, if, 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 if someone came and told you they were having a hard time, but they said they had favor, it's like, well, you don't have a job, but you have favor? Your transmission just went out in your car, but yeah, favor, isn't favor the absence of trouble? It's not. Uh, Joseph, not Joseph, Abraham, when uh, in, I want to say in Genesis 13, in, in Genesis 13, uh, is 13 or 15, where Abraham is talking to God, God's talking to Abraham, and Abraham is a rich man. I mean, he is... Abraham isn't just rich. Genesis 13 says he's very rich. Genesis 13 says he's very rich. Do you not know that Abraham, what Abraham uh, had in livestock, silver and gold, uh, I, I saw a couple of studies that if Abraham, because of what he had, particularly in livestock and gold, uh, I didn't know what cows were worth so much. Uh, I'm driving through Saluda and saw people with cows and said, oh man, those people actually have money. 
So what Abraham has in livestock and gold, if, if, if Abraham would have lived in this current time, it is estimated that Abraham would have been a billionaire. That's how much money he had. That's how much it was valued, his, his possessions, that if he would live during our time, he would, have, he would have been a billionaire. This man who has great possessions, so much possessions that he tells Lot, we can't even coexist. I'm going to take my stuff and go this way and you take your stuff and go that way. That's how much Abraham had. He couldn't even have a neighbor. Abraham has so much stuff, it is clear that God has favored him. And he has favor, and the Bible lets us know that. But then God, in Genesis 15, it is Genesis 15, God tells Abraham, let me, let me tell you a little secret. I am your great and mighty reward. I am your reward. Not the livestock. Not all this money I allowed you to have. Not all the cattle and the silver or the gold. I am your great and mighty reward. God tells a very rich man who, if he would have lived during this day and time, would have been a billionaire. God tells him, I am the best thing I've allowed you to have. The thing that you have, Abraham, that is of greater value than anything else you have is me. I know you got a lot of gold, but you have nothing more valuable than me. I know you got a lot of silver and a lot of livestock. You have nothing that comes close to my value. The greatest gift I gave you was when I gave you myself. He's telling a billionaire, I'm your great and mighty reward. And don't you forget it. And so favor isn't about the presence of God clears it up for, for Abraham. Favor is not about the presence of, 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 of good material things and great value. Favor is not about the absence of trouble, but about the presence of God. Favor isn't, I'm going I'm to make it plain for you. Favor isn't the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Favor isn't the absence of cancer. It's God being with you through the cancer. Oh my gosh. Favor isn't uh, the car not having trouble. It's God being with you through the trouble. Oh my goodness. There are, uh, thank you, Jesus. There, there are people sitting here today and I was one of them. I, I used to, I remember waiting for something I already had. Waiting on God to give me favor, uh, waiting on this ship to come in, this imaginary ship to come in when the ship had already come in. If God is with you, you already have favor. And, and not to say that good things can, may or may not accompany his presence, but those things aren't the sign of his presence. We have favor misinterpreted. It tells us in 39 that Joseph is a man who is experiencing God's favor. But then we see him live a life of slavery that he doesn't come out of. And so it's like, what favor? God never left him. 
it says three different times in, in the course of Joseph's story. Uh, verse uh, Genesis 39 and 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. Genesis 39 and 23. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. The, 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 the proof of the favor, the, the prison doesn't negate the favor. The, the slavery doesn't negate the favor because the favor isn't good times. Favor is God's presence. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we mentioned earlier, went through the, the fiery furnace, the Bible says that when they were in the midst of the furnace, the, that God was walking with them. That was the favor. Not that they made it out. <laughs> Not that the fire didn't burn them up, but that God was with them. I, 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 want, to, I, I, I want to release you by the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to release you from this prison sentence that you've been serving. You're waiting on your alarm clock to go off and it's already gone off. You're waiting on God to do something great and he's already done it. You, you, you're looking for God to do some great thing and he's already done the great thing. God says, you who I'm with you. The, the, the Bible calls, the Bible calls, uh, when, when, when talking about our relationship with God, many times it compares it to the relationship between a wife and a husband. Do you not know, what, what could I give my wife that is worth more than me being there? Let's say if I didn't come home last night. What could I send her in the mail that wouldn't negate her being upset with me for not coming home? Nothing. If, if, if she calls me at 8 a.m., where were you? And I send her a car. She's, she's still going to be mad at me. Do you know why? Because there is nothing that I can give her that's better than my presence. And when the Bible says that, 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 thank you, Jesus. When the Bible says that Jesus is, is the groom of the church, he's saying that there is nothing that I can give you that's better than my presence. I can't give you nothing better than me. And so when I gave you me, that's why the Jesus is called Ishmael, God with us. When I gave you me, I gave you the best I had. When I gave you me, I rolled out the red carpet for you. Most people spend their lives waiting for favor that they've already gotten. Check in the mail and it's already in your pocket. I remember, I, I remember one time I was waiting for something to come from Amazon. And I was checking the mail, I was checking the mail, and I was checking the mail. I take Amazon pretty seriously. So, uh, yeah, if, if I, boy, I get excited when I got something coming in the mail from Amazon. It's just, it's like, you got mail, but, you know, physical mail. It's, oh, man, it's special. And I remember checking it and checking it and checking it. And then day, a couple of days went by. It's like, man, where's, where's my stuff at? I was about to call Amazon and throw a fit. So I talked to Tessa and I said, hey. So a couple of days, through a few days looking for the stuff, I didn't talk to her about it. And I said, finally, I said, baby, you won't believe Amazon didn't deliver my stuff. 
She said, what stuff? I said, the thing I ordered. I told her what it was. She said, oh, that came three days ago. <laughs> it's, in, it's in the guest room sitting up against the wall. I said, oh. I spent days being miserable when the thing I was waiting for was already in my house. How much time have you spent being miserable? Waiting on God to send favor that you already had. Favor, favor is not those things. It is not, it is not. God wouldn't, God wouldn't do you that bad. That's why the Bible says that don't, we, we, we don't store up. Uh, that's why it says don't store up uh, treasures on this side of creation where, where the moth can come and eat them. And, and, and God wouldn't give you, God's so good to us, he wouldn't give you something that somebody could steal. He wouldn't display his favor that way. I'd say he won't give us things. All good, perfect gifts come from the Lord. But God, in an absolute sign of his favor, he wouldn't let his favor play out in giving you something that somebody could take. A Mercedes can't be favor. It can't be the absolute sign of God's favor because somebody can steal it. A house can't be the the, the absolute sign of God's favor because I could lose the house. But God is, the spirit of God is living on the inside of my soul. (laughs) Who can take that away? That is why the Bible says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I I, I don't know about you, but I, this, when even learning this and, and, and dwelling on this, it made me feel like, God, I owe you an apology. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one. God, I owe you an apology. I'm, I'm checking the mail. I'm getting upset. And Amazon was already good. I should have known Amazon was good. They don't make those kind of mistakes. Mm. God's even better. What are you waiting on? We have Jesus living on the inside of us. Now, sure, he might sin. I'm not saying he won't send you a call. I'm not saying he won't do these things. But that's not the favor. And, 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 and it took a good God to go to a rich man and remind him, hey, I'm the reward. I just want to remind you that God's the reward. <laughs> I, I don't care how much money you have or don't have. I don't care what, what, what kind of car you have or don't have. God is the reward that we all share. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love and I, I thank you that you love us so much to, to give your reward. I thank you that that reward sits in a place where no man can take it. It is sitting deep down in my soul. God, I feel that reward right now. And I thank you for it. God, I ask that you would release your people. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. God, set your people free from this this, 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 this sentence waiting for something that's already happened. God, we thank you for what you've done. You've already done enough and you don't have to do anymore. We love you and we look to you for everything. You are our great and mighty reward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. 
If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.